Right, and for the final interview of this documentary, I'm here this afternoon with Adrian Daniels, an incredible person with many talents and many experiences, but I don't want to give the spoilers away. I will let him get into it. So <laughs> before I do anything, Adrian, how are you this afternoon? I'm good. I'm chilling. How are you? Awesome. Listen, I love Ghana. I love your country, Ghana. Ma. Like, I, I love this place. <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm leaving end of the week, but no, I've honestly had a great time. So, end of the week? Yeah, end of the oh, week. Man. I might extend, but we'll see. <laughs> but no, honestly, thank you very much for your time. Um, so Adrian, before we really get into things, into your story, who you are, and just the wisdoms that you have to share that lend to this documentary about mm-hmm. why Ghana is the way it is and the power that it possesses. Yeah. Who is Adrian Daniels? In as few words as possible, who would you say Adrian Daniels is and what do you do, in a nutshell? Um, Adrian Daniels is, he's just a tech-loving, digital-loving, just friendly, friendly, goofy kind of guy. I mean, I don't know how to describe it. I'm just Mm -hmm. me. It's just you. (laughs) I'm just me. No, but it says on the tin, literally doing what you say on the tin. I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that realism about you. Um, So like me, you're a black Brit, so you based in the UK, um, in Ghana for your own purposes, which we'll come into throughout Mm -hmm. this interview. But um, what was your first experience of Ghana then? Was it maybe a trip when you came as a child or was it in your later adult years, curiosity? When did that first experience of Ghana come for you? Um, So probably my first experience of Ghana is probably um, maybe the first year I was born. But obviously Mm. I have (laughs) no memory of of what that, you know, was. So uh, my my first memory of coming to Ghana was... Um, I think the year 2000, okay. Christmas. So, you know, my, my first trip was experiencing, you know, Ghana in, Ghana in Christmas. And even back then, it, it was still quite fun. Mm. Um, there wasn't, obviously, it wasn't as developed as it is today, um, but it was still quite, you know, vibrant. It was quite lovely, quite, you know, quite, you know, quite lively, sorry. You know, like there were sort of parties going on and, you know, good food and music. And, you know, I don't, I don't really remember a lot of traffic. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Ghana still had it. Ghana yeah. still had an identity, still had, you know, that culture that you could relate to, you know, with the food, with its, you know, independent square, all these different things. But obviously it's evolved a lot since, since today. Okay, so if we fast forward your story a little bit, we've gone from 2000 where you've had your first initial exposure and you've spoken about the nightlife, the food, the culture, the people. And these are things that I keep hearing throughout this documentary of anyone that I speak to. People love Ghanaians. The culture is rich and it's there. Yeah. So as you start going through, let's say, adolescence or in your early adult years, so to yeah. say, what were sort of the key moments where you realised or you thought to yourself, Ghana, okay, I don't live there, but this is home or I want to try and, you know, really sow my roots deep and I want to have more of a vested interest there. What, what were those sort of key events that happened for you that made you want to do more things here? do more things here or, 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 or what wanted to make me live here oh both I mean you can take okay. that either way which, whichever okay. came first okay. take it from there okay I think in terms of wanting to live here I think it was just that first trip mm. you know coming my family um, Christmas to year 2000 um, this was a long time ago like, you know my, my dad yeah. was still constructing his house you know, mm-hmm. it was, I was still living in a house that's still being built um, but yet um, I was still able to kind of like go around go to all of these like parties, gatherings and food, food parties, all these kind of things and experience and feel and taste and smell Ghana. Um, but also in terms of like, in terms of this being a place where I potentially wanted to kind of like live and maybe do things here, I think I'll probably reflect, reflect back to a conversation I had with my, my dad just being in a car. And I, I, just, I remember being in a car with him and he, he, he would always used to say, um, look, Adrian, look, 
um, as a diaspora, as someone who's had the opportunity to live in the UK. There's people who live in Ghana who don't have the opportunity to study abroad or to, you know, have access to what the West can offer. Um, so, you know, one day, you know, you should definitely think about, you know, you know, living here permanently and, you know, giving back of your gifts, your talents, your skills and experience that you picked up, you know, from the West and help to build Ghana. So that's something that always stuck with me over the years, even back then when I didn't really want to kind of stay in Ghana. As soon as I finished school, I was out kind mm-hmm. of thing. I w- wanted to go back to the UK. I felt like I was missing out because then, you know, it, Ghana wasn't as developed as it is today. You know, the internet is more on par with the, with the, with the West and the real estate more on par in the West, shopping malls, etc. All of these amenities, all of these things that we have access to that, to, you know, to, you know, today that we probably didn't really have access to in the UK as Ghana was still catching up. <clears throat> so I'll definitely say it was definitely those two things. My dad, you know, giving me that, that word, um, and him, you know, being like a lawyer, him, that's, reads tons of books mm. you know if you go to his his uh his his office like he's got Kwame Nkrumah Barack Obama yes. Karl Marx he's got all of these authors that these really just these very strong cultural figures thought leaders who probably shaped his his thoughts and his, yeah. and his character today so probably I'd say is my, my father and also I'd say it's that first Christmas 2000 in Ghana mm. yeah so so to, to so to those who come to Ghana to party and stuff and now seeing Ghana's lit even since 2000, I've been coming here. I've been saying this. Been you heard it yeah. from the man first. <laughs> but you know what I loved about your response just then was you really spoke to the ideologies that you've been exposed to, like the elements of pan-Africanism that your dad instilled in you. From what it sounds like for me, the idea of, you know, That's those key word. political thinkers. Yeah. And um, again, it really is a mentality, the idea of, you know, lend your abilities and skills back to where you're from and, you know, really helping to counteract the effects of the brain drain. Yeah. That is a phenomenon across Africa, the best yeah, yeah. leaving and not coming back and, yeah. you know, really working on that. Yeah. And um, that is a nice segue, actually, onto sort of what you're actually up to right now in Ghana, how you're mm. using your skills. So there are two things I want to zone into, okay. and we'll take this depending on how much you want to um, speak about them. But you have a really, really, really cool podcast called The Sounds of Accra. Yeah. And you're also doing great work with Africa Global Radio. Yeah. So I really would love for you to sort of break down those two ventures that you're involved in in as much mm-hmm. or as little detail as possible and speak about sort of how you got involved in those, mm-hmm. um, what inspired you to want to get into those and how those have helped you to sort of, um, you know, progress in your, in your personal goals. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the Sound of Acquire podcast was like a random brainwave that I had one day. Um, back in the day when I used to be in university, um, I used to run, I used to have my own radio show called In The Mix. So it was like okay. a R&B and hip hop radio show. I used to have interviews. I used to have guests on there. Right. I used to have, you know, live phone calls, etc. All of that, all of the above. Um, and I also used to take part in running a radio station as well. Okay. Um, so for me, like the sound of Accra and maybe Africa Global Radio is a bit like that, but mm. in the present day. Um, in terms of the sound of Accra, so one day I had a random brainwave. Um, I'll say in maybe like mid 2019. Um, and really it came from the back of doing um, networking events in Accra. So I used to do like very small networking events in Accra called Diaspora Connect. Mm. Um, so I ran one in 2018 and then I ran another one in 2019. First one, hardly anybody turned up, just friends, like five people turned up. The second one I did, 25 people turned up. So it was a big okay. um, improvement, but still not like stadium filling numbers. You know, I'm not like, um, I don't know you know, um, Jay-Z or someone like that is <laughs> filling out the stadium. Um, so yeah, so basically on the back of that experience, it was like, I want to keep the networking experience going, 
um, my best friend Toby, um, he basically always used to tell me, Adrian, like, you were good in radio, why don't you go back into it? So I thought, mm, not really much money in radio. I don't know if it's something I want to do as a career, maybe like a side hobby, um, but we'll see. Um, so when I put those two things together, I was like, wait a minute. Um, when I looked at YouTube, there's so many people like doing like content for you know anything to do with Ghana. You type in the keyword Ghana, even the YouTubers are, are trying to um, they are trying to hammer in the keyword Ghana in in the title, <laughs> and I'm like, what is this? Ah, uh-uh, what what is this? Understand? So I was like, wait a minute. In the podcast space, because my background also is, I um, I went to Keele University. Okay. I did, I've got a degree in music technology and business management. Okay. I used to produce music, you know, I've won Incredible. awards and things like that. Yeah. I used to produce the rap, all these kind of things. So for me, I've got this background of audio production, working on, you know, audio sound, mm. you understand? So I thought, you know what? How about I start a podcast? Like when, he, when I looked in the podcast market, right? It's really about everyone's got a voice in the podcast landscape. And I realized, wait a minute, um, there's actually no podcast that actually represents Ghanaian entrepreneurs and creatives. Mm. Why don't I just be that person that fills in that gaps and just really just runs home with it? So I decided to come start the podcast. So I started in January 2020, just before the COVID and pandemic started. Um, and yeah, I mean, I started in... You know, airport residential, mm-hmm, Accra, mm-hmm. you know, and here we are two years later, mm-hmm. you understand, um, in, in Accra. If I can interject there very quickly, sure. sorry. Um, in terms of you building that network of people that you're interviewing or connecting with on that level, coming from the UK, was the Ghanaian community quite inviting or was it quite a struggle to actually build a name for yourself and get the respect of the Ghanaians that you were interacting with and really working your way into those rooms? How did you find that initial experience? Um, um, so I think it was... Um, so, so you're talking about the, the podcast, right? Yeah, yeah the, podcast. About the networking event, the podcast. Uh, a podcast or really more general experiences, but we can look at the podcast. But just okay. the idea of you integrating into um, Ghanaian society and those that you were meeting and then interviewing, okay. was that initial transition quite difficult? Like we met with a lot of not um, difficulty or resistance, but was it a challenge or were people quite open-armed and said, hey, like actually, we like what you're doing, come on in. How did you yeah, find I mean, I think I've been quite privileged to not really have any kind of barriers Good. to entry, no, no real issues. Okay. Um, this is something that I always, I would never forget. So mm. on my way to doing the first of a podcast, I was like, I need a hook. Mm. Right? I need a hook for people to want to tune into the podcast. And um, as a result, I randomly came up, came up with something in an Uber. You know, <laughs> we chat with colorful creators and entrepreneurs from a Ghanaian background interest. And... When I recorded the first episode, mm-hmm. of course, that's how I opened up the podcast, pretty mm-hmm. much. And when I had, so basically, I'm already um, integrated in some Ghanaian communities. Okay. Um, one is called Young Ghanaian Professionals UK. Okay. So it's like a Ghanaian um, British community with age age ranges between 21 to 40, right. I believe. And um, yeah, so I'm like one of like the like the founding members of it, and like it's grown to about maybe three, four hundred people. We have a WhatsApp group, right? So okay. I put the podcast in there, and then one person responded saying. Um, the first few seconds of the podcast is the reason why um, I continue to listen to the rest of the episode because of that. Talk. That's wow. what. So I realized that okay, this is something that people wanted. You could say that I'm okay. testing the market yeah. to see if people want that particular type of content, and people want it. You know, um, I can give you so many stories of fast forward in terms of how it's touched people around the world, and even some of the guests that have come on the show, like some. Some, you know, some really crazy stories. Wow. Okay. So if we take a step back there, you know, you've really spoken about the importance of the diaspora links and you spoke about those affinity groups in the UK, the Young Professionals Network, this, that and the third. Um, How important would you say that they have been then in your sort of 
journey because hearing that, I didn't even know that some of those groups existed, but they do. So <laughs> for those watching, how critical would you say they are for somebody who wants to do what you're doing, for example? Yeah. And just building off that as well, this idea of Ghana being an entry point to Africa, would you say a big part of that is because of how strong the link is between um, Ghana and you know other countries in the diaspora, would you say, the communities? Um, so in terms of like... Uh like Ghana being like like friendly to the yeah. world or like and just welcoming and having yeah, yeah welcoming stuff. Mm. I think it, obviously it comes down to a few factors. So um, of course you know Africa has different languages. Mm -hmm. Of course Ghana is obviously one of the few African countries which they speak English mm -hmm. and you know obviously the local language as well. Um, the the political climate is quite you know steady. You know I went to Nigeria in 2019 and okay. I experienced lockdown before lockdown happened. <laughs> I was in lockdown in Victoria Island and there was basically like a election something happening and my, my friend said we're gonna stay in your Airbnb all day otherwise we, we could step out the house and get killed. You understand? Right. So um, Ghana political stability is there. The currency like they've you know how I don't know if you remember I don't know if you ever okay you probably haven't come but. In the past, like Ghana money used to be different, but now they've changed it, so it's a lot more easier to do business. The old with. city versus the new city. The old city, yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah, the old yeah. city versus new city. So, yeah. like in terms of like the money, the money is like more friendly to do business with mm -hmm. and things like that. You understand? Yes. Um. So, th so these are some of the factors which kind of like open, you know, make Ghana seem welcoming. And also another big thing I'll say is that Ghanaians themselves are warm, they're friendly, mm. they're welcoming. Um. You could basically. Um, come to Ghana as a tourist and not really be scared. Whereas with Nigeria, I mean, sometimes I'm not, yes. I'm not having a go in Nigeria, but <laughs> sometimes with, Ni yeah. with Nigeria, like you need someone to yes. kind of escort you and yes. help you to like um, navigate the whole um, you know country. You understand? Yeah. You can't just go to Nigeria. Like usually, you need someone with you because some some parts can be pretty rough. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I would say that in terms of entering Ghana, like. Yeah, Ghana is a very warm, welcoming place. Mm. You know, you know, when I was in Nigeria, there was like a sense of hostility, but there are beautiful, wonderful Nigerians out there. But you, sometimes you do get a sense of hostility. But when you come to when when I came to Ghana that later that year, mm. I noticed a complete like difference. Like already, the sense of warmness. People were happy, whether they got a lot of money or not. Um, yeah, you know, whether it's street hawkers, mm -hmm. um, whether it's. Um, People selling pure water, selling PK chewing gum, whether it's people mm -hmm. in, in, the, in the shops, whatever. Um, that's Ghana. And I think that also kind of comes back to the podcast is that yeah. um, one thing I ask my guests that come on my show is, I mean, what's the sound of Accra to you? Like what thoughts, feelings, vibes come to mind when you mention the word Accra? Sure. And people will say traffic, people will say <laughs> plantain chips, people will say all these different things. But mm. these are all memories and emotions that, you know, invoke like happiness. You understand? Yeah. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, no, I think you've really hit the nail on the head about the importance of Ghanaian culture and how that's helped you and potentially others to come back. And I think that thing of political stability, like I'm from Uganda and yeah. we had our elections this year. This isn't a political discussion, yeah. but it's definitely something you have to bear in mind in terms of where you want to go, where you want to visit and where your entry point to Africa is going to Beautiful be. People. And everyone I've spoken to, you know, the general reception is that Ghana is a, a fun and friendly place to visit and they feel safe. And I think that has to be the starting point. Yeah. Now, before we wrap this interview, I'd love for you to touch a bit more on your your work and experience with Africa Global Radio, because that sounds very, very cool. So are you able to shed some light on sort of what that is as an entity and sort of your role or responsibility within that? Okay, so Africa Global Radio is, a, is an online radio station. It's also a um, an, an in-house creative media production house as well. Okay. Um, so they're kind of like two in one, in a sense. 
Um, so it's been going for a little while. Um, so I had a um, interaction with um, the founder of Africa Global Radio, and basically um, we were both in, we're both in the same podcast community. And you know, I you know I've been running these monthly podcast meetups, etc. And we we had a few you know conversations and discussions before I came mm-hmm. to Ghana. And yeah, we, we just we just decided, look, um, we're both on the same kind of mission. Let's kind of like meet up and work together. And um, yeah, so basically um, I'm working together with Africa Global Radio. And really there's a lot of synergy in terms of what we want to achieve. For example, um, you know, they want to, you know, push the, narr- the positive narrative of Africa to- towards the whole world, which is great. Um, not the whole world, but I mean, yeah, that, yeah, that, that is, that is their job, yeah, yeah, to the whole world. What am I talking about? Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I want to also like, um, push the, the narrative of global Ghanaian excellence mm-hmm. to the world. So we're on a similar mission, but yes. also we want to go a step further. So for example, I want to, um, you know, you know, speak to the Apples, the Spotify's, the Googles yeah. and set up podcast hubs around Ghana, around Incredible. Africa. Incredible. I want to be able to use podcasting, you know, put it on a map for Africa. You know, especially when you look at people that don't have a lot of money, but everybody everybody has a phone. You, you will see someone selling pure water, but they have an iPhone in their mm. pocket. Maybe, maybe, who knows? You understand? So if you have a device that you mm. can use for podcasting, you understand? Why not you be able to use that as a voice to air out your story, your opinion, but also make money from it? That's and I incredible. think that could solve a lot of problems. So these are some of the, the, the visions that I have for podcasting in general, not even just the sound of the crowd. And... Over the over the time of doing the podcast, I've realized that this is not this is bigger than me. Mm. You know, I could tell you other stories. This is bigger than me. I mean, I had a let me tell you this story. Season two, yeah, real quick. Um, so I was looking for a season two finale guest, and um, I had someone fill in a contact form, and uh, I received this email from someone in LA. His name's Kevin Burton, five times world champion kickboxer, Hollywood actor, um, author, whatever artist. He said, Adrian, hey, my name's Kevin. I was born in England. But I was raised in America. My mom's um, British, but my dad's Ghanaian. I couldn't find my dad. I could never find my dad. I tried to find my dad, but I couldn't. Um, I stumbled upon your podcast. I love it. And I want to come on your podcast and tell my story. Wow. And he was releasing a new book around the same time as well. Okay. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than 100%. me. 100%. No, honestly. Yeah. Honestly. Um, thank you for sharing that, that, you know, that story with me. And, uh, Pleasure. You know, you've given so many snapshots into the future. So I think it's only fitting I end this interview on this question. Um, where do you see Ghana in the next 50 years? Because you've spoken about how it's transforming, how it's such an accessible environment and the amazing things that you're doing and the potential that it has to really be this global player. And it's fulfilling that potential as we speak, even yeah. despite COVID and all of these things, you know, it's the momentum is still continuing and pushing forward. So my final question to you is, where do you see Ghana in 50 years? What does Ghana in 50 years look like to you? 50 years, man. Wow, that's a, it's quite a question. Um, mm. The way everything is moving at an accelerated rate, mm. it's hard to pinpoint. But what I would say is that it could be, you watch Black Panther? Yes. It could be a, a, a different version of uh, um, Wakanda. Wakanda. Yeah. yeah, it could be a different version of Wakanda. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's got their, you know, their, you know, their, you know, their tech, their, mm-hmm. their culture. Mm-hmm. Everyone's happy. They're lively. You know, they got their own thing going on. Yeah, you understand. There's a king. There's a queen. Whatever mm-hmm. it is, but still, uh, but rather than being maybe not locked off to the world. Yeah, maybe Ghana is more present all over the world than, mm-hmm. than ever before. That, I, I already see that in um, just how Ghanaian and Nigerian culture, for example, they're quite like 
especially in the UK, for example, you yeah. feel the presence. So I, I definitely see that extending more as time goes on. So I definitely think you've hit the nail on the head on that. And um, <laughs> no, honestly... Calculated guess. <laughs> calculated guess, but we'll check back in 50 years and see how right you were in saying that. But I think you've ticked some serious boxes on that. Yeah. But um, no, with that being said, that wraps up this interview. So thank you so much for your time this afternoon um, and those amazing perspectives and insights into your life, your journey, and just advice out there for the diasporians that maybe want to do things here and wisdoms that you've shared with us. It's really appreciated. So all the best and thank you very much. Cheers. Awesome. Cheers. Thank you.